Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. Hey everyone, we're going to get started with today's episode in just a second. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you about our free book giveaway. Last week, we had JJ Sutherland on the podcast. He is the CEO of Scrum Inc. And he's just come out with a new publication called the Scrum Fieldbook, a masterclass on accelerating performance, getting results, and defining the future. I'm holding a copy in my hands right now, and I want to encourage you, if you are someone who would like to be more productive and help their organization be more productive, I encourage you to take a listen to that episode. And after you've listened to that episode, email community at life as leadership.com include in the subject line free book giveaway and include one to two sentences on what you found most valuable from that episode once again jj sutherland's book the scrum field book a master class on accelerating performance getting results and defining the future could be yours all you need to do is email community at life as leadership.com and leave that message about what you found most valuable from last week's interview. I look forward to reading your message and I hope that you're able to win a copy of this great book. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey everyone, hope you're doing well this week. We're going to be hearing from someone whose focus in her business is to help small business owners and people in general get organized with their lives. Joining me this week to listen to and discuss this interview are my friends and fellow leaders, Michelle Mahalko and Parker Batista. So the question we're starting off with today is, what was one of your proudest moments of organization in your life when you got something in your life really well put together. Anything come to mind, Michelle? Yeah. Um, I love being organized. I think it's such a high. Um, and I most recently experienced a really great accomplishment personally, where I was put in charge of a training, uh, two weeks of training where I work, um, making sure that all, um, the students that went through it, got all their lectures and were trained in different areas. And so I oversaw all of that and it was pretty successful. Um, that's a lot of pressure to have two weeks worth Mm -hmm. of things going on, uh, organized and running smoothly, but, uh, something a little more lighthearted. Uh, I think this is an ongoing theme in my life where I just love being organized. But, uh, when I was an RA in college, I had some laid back brother dorm RAs and we were trying to plan a big event all together. Uh, so of course I loved the fact that I got to create a spreadsheet with mm. all the things we had to purchase. The spreadsheet people. I, I am a spreadsheet person. Shout out to all my spreadsheet people. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's uh, Google sheets or if it's Excel. I love it all. Um, yes, but I, I went ahead and 
of time and I looked at everything we needed to purchase. I made a spreadsheet from three different stores, including I think it was like Walmart, Sam's and Party Cities. And I calculated the exact cost, how much we were going to purchase, tax, Mm. everything. I gave exact budgets and told three different teams of students, okay, this is the time you have to leave to go shopping. This is the time you need to get back. And essentially laid it all on the spreadsheet and uh i just remember one of the ras he took a video of it and put it on like snapchat and was like this is what crazy looks like but i loved it i was super proud so do any questions come into your mind when you hear that story parker because like a lot of questions come to my mind <laughs> like why why was the why was it important for them to get back at a certain time Because we were on a schedule. So I wanted to make sure that we had enough time to set Uh up because it was like at a ski lodge and we had to get the food ready. We had to get uh, the scenery and like the decorations, everything ready. So I needed them all to be back by a certain time with the different food or the supplies or whatever. Wow. That is impressive. Parker, how about you? Um, the most recent example that comes to mind is this summer um, renovating a house. So had had kind of been a part of the process with friends before, but never on this scale. Um, kind of got my butt kicked from an organizational standpoint. Just I did not realize the puzzle pieces that are time dependent and person dependent and weather dependent. And it was crazy just to get everybody to come together with the same goal. But man, it was it was a challenge. But we started moving in yesterday and it was super satisfying to kind of like step back and say, okay, it all came together. It all worked. It wasn't a terrible idea in the process. So it was cool. And if you've organized it well enough, you really can step back. If you have enough workers, you can be the conductor and let everyone else do the heavy lifting, right? Yeah. There's a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our guest today consulted in the employee relations space for five years at several Forbes 500 companies, including Roche, Abbott, and GE. She has spent the last two years consulting for small businesses with her company called Let's Get You Organized. She is a master of productivity, time management, and process improvement, and she has a knack for digging deep with leadership teams to find their zone of genius, hone in on their mission and vision, set goals strategically, and discover the needle movers to increase their profitability. As a business owner herself, she understands the brain of a founder and can speak directly to their pain points. Joining us from San Diego, California, here is Melissa Chellikel. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm happy that you are here as well. For listeners, this is the first interview that I've done with someone that I've first connected with on Instagram. And if you would like to check out Melissa on Instagram, you can go to Let's Get You Organized. You have a very strong Instagram game. Thank you. Yeah, it's the power of a platform, right? Uh, Sending DMs, commenting, engaging, and you never know who you might connect with. That's right. And you're the first and I I doubt you'll be the last because there's really some exciting stuff going on on Instagram. People sharing ideas about leadership, business and things like that. So I'm excited to have you on today. Now, you started off as a consultant in the HR and employee relations space. I'm wondering, how did you get your start there? And then also for those who listen to the podcast, what are some recommendations that you would have as far as HR insight that you could give to leaders who are listening today? 
Yeah, so I've always been fascinated with people and human behavior. I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in sociology because of that and dove right into HR after college. I handled everything from payroll administration to employee benefits to recruiting and onboarding as well as offboarding and, you know, making tough decisions when it came time for reductions in force at large companies. So it was quite an extensive time in HR. Um, now I'm more so supporting small businesses and startups. So from an HR perspective, you know, I think employee culture and company culture, company fit is super key, dialing in on your people strategy. Uh, and I know we'll get a little bit more into that, but basically focusing on your people and coming from a place of being an employee advocate and not so much just protecting the company from liability, which is what I tend to see a lot. So, yeah, one of the things that you just mentioned that I wasn't able to include in your bio because you had so much that could be said was that you you help with onboarding but also offboarding. I know that can be an incredibly difficult time. How do you focus on the human part of human relations when you have to do really difficult things like that at a massive level where hundreds of people are being affected? Yeah, so, you know, standard procedure at these giant Fortune 500 companies that I was um, consulting for are – you know, add them to the spreadsheet. Okay, there's another name, that person's low on the totem pole, or they're on a performance improvement plan, and they're not improving, or, you know, their performance is just lower than the rest of their team members. And it, it becomes a numbers game, like you said, it becomes, you know, people just kind of uh, losing their identity in a way. So, you know, add them to the spreadsheet doesn't necessarily work for me. I really like to humanize the employee and not just, you know, think of them as a number or, a uh, another target in the reduction in force. So personal conversations are key during offboarding. Excerpt interviews are key to make sure that you are bridging the gap between the employee's uh, current journey and where they might be going next. You always want to make sure you don't burn a bridge. It goes both ways. You know, you hear that when you leave a job, don't burn a bridge with your employer, but it also goes the same way with your employees. You want to make sure that you keep a healthy reputation especially in this digital age that we're in with lots of review sites such as Glassdoor. Uh, I know that's a huge decision factor for me when I'm working with a company is I'll always check out their Glassdoor re uh, recommendations and reviews to make sure that it's a great company and a good culture there. So one of the things that I happen to know is that a number of leaders who listen to this podcast have teams of volunteers that they lead. So would you say that HR principles that you have worked with in the past and are even still using today, are they still applicable when it comes to working with volunteers and people who aren't getting paid? Definitely. Volunteer culture is just as important as employee culture. Even though there is no monetary compensation for a volunteer role, volunteers can be retained in other ways like team building, leadership development, offering opportunities for career growth. Healthy culture is so important when trying to retain talent, no matter which way you cut it. So whether they're an employee or whether they're a volunteer, I look at it as a happy worker equals a successful business or nonprofit. 
Now, listeners, if you want to hear more about HR, go back to listen to episode 18 with Lee Carraher, who talks a lot about the importance of especially making sure that you have a good relationship with employees that you're having to let go, or even you yourself when you're leaving a company, making sure you leave with a good relationship. It kind of goes along with what Melissa has just said. And Melissa, you've now moved on from HR consulting, at least for large companies, and you started your own business. And I'm wondering, was that something that you did on purpose or were there other dynamics that were involved in your decision to really start off on your own, which can be really scary and difficult for a lot of people? Yes, it's definitely been a journey. I originally launched my company, Let's Get You Organized, in 2011 with just a simple blog spot, blog page, some cheap business cards from Vistaprint, a free Craigslist ad, you know, marketing my services, which at the time were valued at $10 an hour. (laughs) So, you know, times have definitely changed. I put that side hustle on hiatus in 2012 as I was growing my corporate career. And then in 2017, when I found myself unfulfilled in my corporate job, I decided to bring that business back to life. So I've always, you know, been great at organizing and helping people stay productive and neat and tidy. I realized that I could could monetize my natural gifts and talents uh, as the Marie Kondo movement of, you know, I'm not sure if you've heard of that sparking joy and downsizing and decluttering that really took off. uh, And so I knew I could monetize my passion there. And I, within five months of relaunching, was able to make enough money to leave my corporate job, which was awesome. So Marie Kondo has now become a verb in your Marie Kondoing things. Would you say that that has been helpful for your own business? Are people thinking more that way? Or is that something that was more of a popular phenomenon that people liked watching but haven't really acted upon? It is definitely a trend. It's definitely a phenomenon and it's definitely helped my business. It, <laughs> you know, I'm riding that wave as long as it's going to keep going. <laughs> sure. Now, when it comes to productivity, time management and things like that, what are some of the simplest but most impactful things that people could adopt into their lives or maybe even stop doing in order that they can be more productive? Yeah, so just a few tips there. Uh, Definitely say no to obligations that you just simply don't want to do. Um, You know, whether that's calendar obligations, too many people picking your brain or wanting to just get coffee and waste your time, too many networking events that aren't giving you a return on investment of your time, setting those boundaries so that you can really make room for what matters. I'd say that's, you know, tip number one. Tip number two, I love using apps. You know, I mentioned the digital age uh, previously about Glassdoor. And, you know, there's so many tools and apps like Calendly for calendar organization, Expensify for tracking your business expenses or even your, you know, work reimbursable expenses. Toggle is an awesome time tracking app. So if you're just trying to set a timer, do a sprint of work, um, maybe you've heard of the Pomodoro technique where you're taking kind of a focused time of work and then giving yourself a little reward with a break. And then also Google Calendar. So anything that you can digitize, use an app for it. Those are really meant to make your life easier. Do you have any that really stand out as if you could take one or two things and use these digital tools in your life most effectively, what would those things be? Because you just named a bunch that are really valuable, but I'm thinking from the perspective of someone who maybe isn't quite used to using all these tools yet, that can sound overwhelming. 
I really like Calendly. I really hate the hamster wheel of, hey, let's get lunch and chat about this new initiative. Okay, what time works for you? And then there's 10 emails in a in a whole email trail just trying to set up one lunch. I love having a Calendly link in my email signature that simply says, set up an appointment with me or book a call. And they can pop on there, look at what matches their schedule, what I have available, and then we get something on the calendar right then and there. Now, you have started your business. You've been going strong for some years. How has your business evolved over time? Could you give us a picture of what it looked like in its early days and some of the steps you've taken to expand it into what it is today? Definitely. So what uh, originally started as a residential decluttering service has now morphed into online education. I launched a couple courses, including a mentorship program for aspiring professional organizers. From there, I realized how much I absolutely loved helping others build their businesses. So I launched a one-on-one consulting program for new business owners. And what I'm finding now is that small businesses on their way to growing and scaling are definitely in need of HR support and a better people strategy. So I'm entering a phase in my business where I'm able to blend my background in HR at those Fortune 500 companies with my love for startups. So it's kind of shifted about six times at this point. (laughs) Now, what were some of those inflection points where you realized that a change needed to be made? Because I imagine, and I could be totally wrong about this, but I imagine that you didn't start with all of these things in mind. Were there points where you saw an opportunity or realized that something needed to change for you to continue growing that really helped you to move forward in that next phase of your business? Definitely. So in 2018 alone, my full first time in a full year of first time entrepreneurship, I realized that I was burning out. So I helped over 250 clients get organized in their homes. That is a lot of sessions, a lot of blood, sweat and tears quite literally. And I frankly just burnt out after that year. So what I did was I launched this course for aspiring professional organizers to learn how to build their own business. From there, I had several signups uh, from my market here in San Diego. And I then turned those graduates into independent contractors that now work for my company. So I was able to step out of working in my business and work on my business and become more of that CEO role. So I really think, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. You have to sort of pivot as needed. Like you said, I didn't start out knowing I was going to shift my business all these times. I really thought, you know, home organization was it and I was just going to be a one woman show forever. And, uh, you know, things pop up in your life and you adjust as needed. So do you find that small business leaders that you work with, because you said you've gone from working with helping to organize homes and places like that, to working more with small business leaders. Do you find that small business leaders tend to struggle with the same difficulties that others do with their homes or do organizational problems tend to be different than what people are dealing with in their personal lives? So I feel that clutter is clutter no matter which way you cut it. So that could mean a physically messy desk at work, uh, crowded storage cabinets in an office space, staff clutter in the form of the wrong people in the wrong seats. You know, maybe you've hired your friends and family and you're sort of raising your eyebrows and realizing, oh, maybe I made the wrong choices in my hiring process. 
So by starting with a basis of prioritization, productivity, and time management, I can really sit down with business owners and figure out what needs to happen to improve their profitability and start to kind of clean house or clear that clutter, so to speak. Now, they're bringing you in as a consultant. Do you find that people who do that tend to be open to your ideas and to take what you say and put it all into action? Or do they take it usually more as advice or an opinion that they may or may not act upon? It depends. Now, most of what I tell my clients is free or cheap or sort of that bootstrap kind of scrappy model, which is how I built my businesses. I try to not, you know, up the price of my own hourly rate by offering them all of these solutions that are going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars. The only time I really get objections to my recommendations is when it is a high ticket uh, item. So maybe they need to invest in a new CRM, so a new customer relationship management system, and those can get really pricey. Or maybe their website is archaic and totally needs to be redone and nobody on the team is tech savvy enough to make them a new website. So I have to go in and, you know, consult with different web developers and get different quotes and things. So really the objection is mostly money when you're in that startup mode of a business. But for the most part, they tend to take my recommendations and and roll with them. Now, this is a question that maybe only a few listeners would gain value from, but I still think it's interesting. How do you keep up on those types of services? You mentioned CRM services and maybe other things like that. How do you stay up on what's the most valuable, especially for a specific business? So I try to keep each one of my clients on a roadmap that's relatively similar. So at any given time, I might have five to 10 different clients on my roster, and they're all sort of in that same stage of business where they're growing and scaling. They're outgrowing some of the things that they first started out with. And we're starting to build the house, right? We've laid the foundations and now it's time to actually build the house and and make this thing grow and be profitable. So I tend to recommend kind of the same things (laughs) for all the businesses I work with. I try to not reinvent the wheel too much. So when I've seen that something works, whether it's a CRM that multiple clients have been happy with, or whether it's a certain web designer that has done amazing work for past clients, I try to kind of keep my referral network of, you know, apps and automations pretty um, streamlined and simple. Now, in your bio that we read a little bit earlier, we talked about this term, the zone of genius. I'd like for you to talk about that a little bit and maybe give us an idea of how you help people begin to figure that out for their own businesses. Yeah, so it's basically the simple idea of working on what you're good at. So, you know, whether you're taking personality tests like the Clifton Strengths or the DISC or Myers Briggs type indicator or human design, there's so many different free personality tests out there to try to figure out what your zone of genius looks like. So, the idea of zone of genius, meaning It's what nobody else can do like you do it. It's like your superpower. So it's your natural gift and talent that you have just always been good at. You've probably known for it when you were a kid or when you were in your school years. And it's honing in on that, figuring out what you're best suited for in an organization or in your own business, and then how to utilize those natural strengths and talents. Today, you lead a mastermind. And that's a term that has gotten more and more popular over the last few years, although they have been around for many years. I'm wondering what that looks like for you and your business and the people who have opted in to being a part of the mastermind that you lead. 
Yeah, so I'm here in San Diego, which is a large metropolitan area. There's over 3.3 million people in the county alone. And there are so many meetup groups here in the county. So many of these entrepreneur groups are either very expensive or from what I've seen, they're full of these, you know, frothy, sugar-coated kind of nonsense uh, events that don't really produce an ROI. So what I did was I found a hole in the market and I wanted to create my own group as a place for new business owners, typically solopreneurs. So uh, business owners that they might have a VA or some virtual um, help in their business, but they are in that baby, baby stage of business. So they need a lot of guidance and support. My meetups are free for that reason, soon to be monetized, hopefully in 2020. We currently have about 200 members in my group here in San Diego, but my goal and plan is to expand to other major cities in the U.S. with the ultimate goal of being in 15 locations in the next five years. So I'm partnering right now with a new contact in Los Angeles, and I'm excited to watch that grow and scale and then kind of just hit these new cities one by one. So... For the purpose of your mastermind, are you going to keep a free level as a way to onboard new people, or are you just going to at some point let people know that we're beginning to get larger and it's going to be an annual or monthly fee to continue being a part of it? How are you going to manage that part of your growth? Yeah, so it'll be meeting by meeting. So every month we have a new speaker, sponsor, topic, and venue. So we like to keep things interesting. So you can actually pick and choose which events you want to attend that pertain to you because you might not be interested in delegating and outsourcing yet, or you might not be interested in hiring and firing yet. You might not be interested in even email marketing yet, right? Depending on where you are in your business. So I don't like to do a monthly membership or a yearly membership because I want people to be able to customize uh, their connection level. So basically, it's just going to be a per meeting charge. And I do have these 200 members that I consider to be my founding members that are sort of grandfathered in. So they'll always have a cheaper rate Hmm. than our newer members. That's great. Well, Melissa, I appreciate you sharing with us today. Before we get to the next part of our interview, I'm wondering, is there anything else that you would like to leave the listeners with today? I really just go back to focusing on your people, you know, whether you're working at a large company, a small mom and pop, or whether you're owning your own business, an organization is nothing without happy, engaged, and motivated people. So really focus in on your people strategy and understand that that's the fuel that's going to keep your business going. Awesome. Well, now we're going to move to our final questions that are meant to inspire us toward better leadership. So you ready for this? Sure. What is some lesson saying or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? So I'll go back to that quote that I absolutely love. Necessity is the mother of invention. So never be afraid to evolve or change things up if they're not working. My constant uh, hustle involves pivoting, (laughs) as you've seen. So, you know, never be afraid to move forward in ways that you might not have planned on. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is honest, humble and driven. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? I would say, how am I serving others and bringing value to those that I interact with? What book would you recommend to leaders? I just finished a book called Traction by Gino Wickman. I absolutely love it. It goes over tons of amazing nuggets of organizational leadership skills in there. 
If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? So I like completing a SWOT analysis and assessing a organization's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats so that you can hone in on the weaknesses and threats that are going to uplevel your practice. And finally, our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this, as a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? So I personally love getting curious and asking why. The first step in exercising emotional intelligence in my mind is asking, why am I feeling this way? So, you know, we get triggered in everyday situations constantly. But if you come from a place of curiosity and you start asking why, it can open up some new doors for you. Melissa, thank you so much for your time today. If you would let people know where they can go to learn more about what you're doing and the services and tools that you have to offer. Definitely. So my website is www.letsgetyouorganized.biz. And on there, I have tons of free resources, including a SWOT analysis worksheet, a business organization checklist, as well as an 80-20 rule worksheet, which goes over tons of productivity tips. All righty. Thank you so much, Melissa. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Josh. I hope you found today's interview valuable. We'll be back on Friday to discuss the interview and share some of our key takeaways with you. If you want to share some of your own thoughts on what you heard today, or if you want to leave other feedback for the show, email us at community at lifeasleadership.com. And if you think today's interview could be helpful to someone else who cares about becoming a better leader, go ahead and share it with them. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.